thank you guys so much for uh, coming, uh, especially you know, we have a large room and you know, we have a few of us, which actually works well for me. So thank you for uh, for coming. Um, obviously, I'm Jason Loman. Uh, I teach fifth grade at Atlantic Christian School, uh, and that's where I've been for the last uh, five years. Um, and uh, it's also where my wife teaches, so we get the pleasure of teaching together. Um, so first thing, just a little bit about me. Uh, my family, this is my wife Catherine, this is uh, Bennett and Foster. We went to a corn maze uh, the other day looking to have some fun at some fall time activities. It was like 80 degrees. And uh, our son decided he didn't want to go in the maze and wanted to just play in this dirt pile that was there. Um, but we did finally make it into the maze uh, and we got this just beautiful photo. All of us are looking, nobody's distracted. We're all having a great time. I guess I teach fifth grade at Lansing Christian School. Um, and just on my hobbies, I really love uh, building and designing. Um, for me, that looks like uh, building furniture a lot of times. Uh, I love to kind of... Is that going to take this off? So far I'm, fo I'm fogging up in here. Um, but I love building furniture uh, and just kind of figuring out how to be home projects. Some home projects in our home turned out great. Others, not so much. Um, but I love to try. So um, that's uh, something that's a big part of what I, my, my life and what I love to do. Um, also love to go camping uh, with my family and spend time outdoors, and that influences a lot of the way that I teach um, and getting our kids outdoors uh, as much as I can. I know that looks different in different school settings, um, but uh, that influences the way that I teach as well. Uh, and also love music and audio, um, so playing instruments or you know, podcasts or finding new artists uh, that's something that uh, I love all those things, um, and also influence my teaching. Um, the reason I mention these things, um, when we're talking about big learning opportunities, um, yes, we're talking about project-based learning, um, but really, the, the big learning opportunity, I kind of view as a two-sided coin. So the one side is like the movie poster version of like the cool thing we're doing, right? We're building something, or we're creating, or we're publishing. Um, there's that movie poster side that, you know, that, that looks good on paper. That's the project-based learning. Um, but the other side of that coin, uh, and I think, uh, the, well, not maybe more important, but equally as important um, is the side where we as teachers recognize that we are in the positions that we're in on purpose. Um, God uh, put us in the exact classrooms with the kids, teaching the grade levels that we teach uh, for a reason, and it's not just because we know how to read a curriculum and can give that to the kids, right? Um, it has to do with who we are as people uh, and our interests, the things that we're passionate about, because God uses those things to uniquely equip us to reach the kids in our class uh, on a given year. Um, so when I'm talking about those big learning opportunities, yes, I'm, you know, we're going to look at some examples of like the movie poster things where the, you know, the cool, I think they're cool, maybe, but um, the cool things we're doing, right? Uh, but then also going to talk about those steps of implementation that really you know, bring forth that big learning opportunity. Recognizing the big learning opportunity isn't just the product, it's the process. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And that's why I noted my hobbies, because those are things that uh, I incorporate uh, in my lessons here. Um, first thing we're going to talk about, some learning targets. Uh, I know that some of us uh, have, probably a lot of us have heard a lot about learning targets, if you're feeling disenthused with them. Well, we're going to talk about them a lot, so I hope that's okay. Um, but uh, the reason that we're going to talk about our learning targets for this session um, is we're going to get an opportunity to kind of interact uh, with our learning targets in the ways that I invite my students to as well. So I wanted to kind of give you guys that experience that my students have, at least in a small way. Um, 
So first learning target uh, is just I can imagine what incorporating my interests in my classroom might look like. Um, obviously, we're not uh, finishing anything today or you know, bringing anything to fruition per se, but I want to start to imagine what does that look like? What does it look like to be uniquely who I am, who God created me to be, and incorporate uh, the things that he's made me passionate about into my class? Uh, and the second target, um, I can begin to design a learning experience or project uh, that could, I can implement in my own classroom. Um, I'm going to try to do my very best to give us some time at the end to actually collaborate a little bit and talk to one another about, hey, here's some ideas that I'm kind of mulling over, some things that sort of sparked for me, uh, maybe during the session or maybe something you've been thinking about for a long time. Um, so first thing we're going to jump into uh, is just where do I start, right? When we're looking at this idea of project-based learning, um, when we, uh, innately when we hear that word project, it feels like, oh my goodness, this could be this big thing. And uh, a lot of times we, we have kind of this barrier to beginning because it seems like such a big task. Um, so the place that I always start, kind of just what I mentioned, is um, just with passion and what's the purpose, right? So um, first thing I think about, okay, what is something that I'm really interested in or something that I'm passionate about uh, personally? Uh, maybe that has to do with something you know, educational related, right? But we're all passionate about teaching for, for here. Um, but also just those personal interests. What do you like to do in your free time? What's something that you really value? The uh, experience that you like to take, uh, take part in? And what are those things that you value? That's always my starting point when I'm working on something like this. Um, and then next, just simple, how might this support the essential learning targets and curricular learning targets? Um, so I'm going to talk really quickly what I mean by essential learning targets and curricular learning targets, because those are, in my mind, two different things. Um, when I'm talking about essential learning targets, uh, those are the things that have less to do with what I want my students to know, uh, and a lot more to do with what kind of people do I hope for them to become through this process and you know, through being in my class. So um, I always start with those. What, are, what kind of people do I hope for my students to become through whatever it is that we're about to uh, and that's really uh, you know, the, the cornerstone of what we do is, I think this is more like long-term learning targets, not just what do I want them to learn from the curriculum, what kind of person do I hope them to be. Um, and then obviously the curricular learning targets, um, that's what we're teaching, right? So uh, at our school, um, we base our learning targets on common core standards. I know some of your schools do that, some maybe not. Um, we, we haven't adopted, right? So about the implementation of those standards. We'd love freedom uh, at my school is to uh, work and navigate within those. Um, and that's another thing I want to mention is uh, when it comes to the curriculum, uh, I, I know we all come uh, from different uh, backgrounds and work in different schools for you know, different administrators. Uh, the thing that really like, sparked this for me, do we have any administrators in here right now? Zero administrators. Okay, so this is something you can tell your administrator. Say, hey, I saw this guy and he was sweating, and this is what he said. Um, but uh, when I started at Lansing Christian School, I was you know, sitting down with my principal uh, and just kind of talking about uh, you know, what the year looks like and the kinds of things we're going to be engaged in. Uh, and in that meeting, uh, she kind of gave me permission to try. Uh, and she said, hey, Jason, you know, I want you to, to try things. You know, that you think are good for students that are based in research that you spend time pondering and thinking about. Um, I want you to try those things, and when inevitably you fail at some or all aspects of that endeavor, 
Um, let's meet. Let's collaborate. Let's work through it and talk about how we can make this better for the students um, and how we can make this a vibrant experience for the students. Um, and having that permission uh, was really what allowed me to, to try. So today, as I'm talking through all this stuff, I, I, I don't want to convey myself as, uh, you know, I've got it all figured out. Uh, I'm just somebody who's willing to try uh, and willing to, at times, fail uh, and you know, learn from that and collaborate with colleagues and other people to make those things better. So um, that's the first invitation I'm going to give you today is just think about, are you somebody who's willing to try these things? Right? And sometimes it's messy, um, but we're going to get into that together. Um, Next, uh, we're going to look at just a couple uh, examples. Um, the first one we'll look at a little bit more in depth of just some projects that I've done in my class uh, that have been successful. Um, not always successful from the get-go, as I just explained, um, but things that produce really great fruit in my students, both in relation to the curriculum standards and in relation to what is this essential question and essential learning preference. Um, so the first one, uh, I talked about one of my interests is audio. Uh, Podcasts and music. So uh, I really got into listening to podcasts, particularly on road trips. Uh, my wife's family lives down south, so we're doing a lot of road trips around the holidays. Uh, and having something to listen to other than you know, children asking for treats uh, is really great. Um, so I kind of you know, dive into that and just love the opportunity to learn new things, the opportunity to uh, hear new ideas, to just be entertained on a long car ride. Um, so the first thing I want to point out, um, this unit I used to call the podcast unit. We're going to make a podcast. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but then as I started thinking about it, um, again, thinking about what kind of people do I hope for my students to become, um, I didn't want to just leave these big projects um, as the closer thing, the podcast unit. Right? Because it's about something deeper than that. That's the interest that started the idea. That's what we're going to be creating. Um, but really, when we think about podcasts, it's in my mind, about connection. Right? Whether we're connecting to uh, somebody in a different part of the world through hearing their story, um, we're connecting with some ideas that people have in you know, our, our home country, our home state, and sometimes our home city. Um, for people who live by themselves, um, it's an opportunity to connect with the world outside of themselves. It's an opportunity to connect with some new learning opportunities. Um, and that's really what I want to convey to my students. Right? Yes, we're making podcasts. It's going to be sweet. We get to do all these fun things. But at the heart of this, it's really about connection, how to connect with people. Um, so that's something that I've found to be helpful when we're doing a project, especially a larger scale project, is to break from the get-go, keep kids focused on what this is actually about. Um, so I'm just going to quick go through the premise, kind of what this project is. So the first part of it, um, and you know, again, thinking about these big learning opportunities, is we spend time just listening to podcasts, professional examples. Um, and I've been selected some uh, kid-friendly podcasts. There's tons of them out there um, that are great. Um, I can maybe send out some resources about that later. Should have done that. Didn't think of it. Um, but we spend time listening, in like a significant amount of time. This is a project that I do in my technology class, right? So working with media and working with technology is a part of that, so we take the time to do it. Um, but we spend time doing that. Um, and from that listening, right, instead of saying, hey, you listen to these podcasts, here's the goals. Right? Here's what your podcast should sound like. Um, I start by just inviting students to kind of think about this idea. Um, what does a, a good podcast sound like? What are the ingredients, so to speak, of a really great podcast? 
and invite my students to you know share you know as a whole class. Sometimes we do that in small groups and then share out. Um, but instead of me with this big project telling students, here's what we're going to learn. Here's the goals, or here are our goals. Say, what should our goals be? You guys have listened to podcasts. You can think about what they sound like. Um, and then the next portion, you know, after we do that, and I, again. Are the rubrics that I use to grade things like this come from these shared goals that we create? And so, right, again, from the get-go, students have that motivation and they have that knowledge of why are we doing this, and they come up with those goals in collaboration. Right? There's some guiding that happens there. I teach fifth grade, so you know some of the things that they notice you know, need some directing in some ways, right? But inviting students to be a part of that process. Um, next part is uh, students uh, building background knowledge about related to their chosen interviewee. Um, so when I'm talking about interviewee, um, again, this is about connecting. Uh, and so uh, I'll talk about the essential questions for this project in just a second. But really what this is, is I've invited students to interview somebody who's in their lives already. They already have a relationship with this person who's at least a generation older than them. Right? This is kind of coming from, again, that idea of connection and seeing kids becoming, in some cases, increasingly disconnected. Um, from interactions with real people in real time, and particularly so with members of their own families. Right? You know, how many times have we have kids say, hey, how was your day? It's like, oh, I'm fine. And, oh, we're going to see your grandpa. Cool. Right? We're going to go spend some time. But how much time do kids actually spend asking questions, right? listening with empathy? So um, after they've chosen something, some choose a grandparent, some choose some parent, some choose an aunt or uncle or a pastor somebody who's already in their lives, and then they start building background, right? What is something I could ask my grandpa? When was he born? Right? That might be a good starting point. What movies were popular when he was a teenager? Uh, what kind of cars were out there when he was a teenager? What were some major world events that happened when he was growing up? Uh, students spend time saying, what is it about this person that I've been asked? Um, next portion is students prepare to their questions and uh, to ask and the topics to discuss, right? That's based on that research that we're doing of, hey, what's something that I could talk to my grandpa about? Um, other than him just saying, you know, how are these going to school? And I was like, great. How was your Oh, it's fine. Right? You want to kind of flip that narrative and say, well, what does it look like for students, for kids, to learn what it means to inquire and ask and listen to people who are in their lives? Right? That's something that is maybe seeing a disconnect what opportunities do we have to reconnect? Um, next, students coordinate with their interviewee. Um, so I don't do any of that for them. They choose somebody. It's up to them to coordinate, right? I give them the time frame. But it's up to them to coordinate when they're doing this, how they're doing it. Some kids have grandparents who live in different states. We talk about what's it like to call them. How do we do a recording uh, over the phone? Um, but again, students are doing that. Um, next, they uh, conduct their interviews and report. We use GarageBand at our school. Um, we have uh, Apple devices, uh, iPads available to us. Um, so that's what we use for this. But there are a great many uh, different programs you can use if your school operates on uh, you know, more of an Android platform or a, more of a PC platform. Um, but they do the reporting, right? We talk about what it looks like to record something and we talk about background noise and how to create an environment where we can get through the audio. Um, then students create the music. Right? That's the beautiful part about GarageBand. Um, and there's uh, there's other options out there. 
Um, all of all the, and there's even some great free options as well, but um, I'll give you an opportunity to make music. Right? Um, so you can, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of what the name is. It's in my mind. If I think of it, I'll let you know some examples of PC options. Um, but this is kind of what that looks like, right? When we're listening to podcasts, we talk about how podcasts are music. How do you use music? What's the purpose of it? Um, how does music influence the mood of the discussion? Uh, and so this is uh, a loops function. So this is kind of cool that kids can sort of ask it or use pre-programmed loops, and then they can record a song that they've made. Um, some students choose to just pull up the piano function and like make their own song uh, to make some you know, introduction music or some transition music. Um, and they do everything from creating the music all the way down to you know, when we assemble the final podcast, um, adjusting how things fade in or out. Right? We talk about not having stark transitions or having volume that does this. Uh, which is just, uh, you know, that's one of the, the many joys of engaging students in this work is when I give them initial feedback, right? I get to listen to them and I got my headphones in. And man, some kids, we talk over and over about normalizing the volume. And you'll be listening and, I, and all of a sudden it's like, da So, right? And it blows your eardrums out. Um, so, luckily for the rest of the class, I feel all those things and I kind of give kids feedback, hey, I thought my ear was going to start bleeding. When I was a, this, you know, a minute and 30 seconds into your podcast, maybe you can go and adjust that. And they know how to do that, right? That's what something to do is talking about adjusting them all. Um, next uh, is feedback. Right? We talk, this isn't a session about feedback. Um, I think we all recognize the value of that. Um, but once students have created um, their podcast, they get feedback both from me and also from their peers, right? And again, this feedback is all based on those shared goals we create at the very beginning. Or what, is our, what are we trying to accomplish here? Um, and that way they can give each other feedback, specific, kind, helpful feedback um, to their classmates. Um, students make revisions, which I just talked about, thank goodness. Uh, and then um, the episodes that we make are published to a community folder. Right? I think part of this is not just creating things for ourselves, that's good. Um, what does it look like to extend this to an audience beyond just our class or just our school in some cases? So uh, for us, you know, there's a lot of you know, interviewing and people being vulnerable and talking to their grandkids or their, their kids. And so I don't necessarily put these out uh, for public view. And you know, we're talking about fifth graders. So we publish it in a community folder, which is accessible to our school community. Um, and then you know, I can share out with different people who, who request it. Um, I can share, I'd be happy to share some examples of people who are interested in the podcast. Um, and then the most important part of these kind of activities is reflection. Um, John Dewey has a, I think it's kind of a famous quote, but um, he has this quote where he said that uh, we have this idea that, oh, we learn through experience. But John Dewey phrases it as, we don't learn from our experiences, we learn from reflecting on our experiences. Right? Those reflections can happen in a lot of different ways. Uh, we can uh, reflect just individually. Right? If, I, if I work on something, I produce something, I create. Uh, might just ask myself, did that go how I wanted it? Um, did I reach the goals that I had set up? How well did I do that? Right? Or you can put pen to paper and actually write it out. Um, you can have a conversation with somebody, right? And even as I'm you know, designing these kind of things, I'm collaborating with my colleagues, you know, inviting their uh, input. Because you know, I have like, a lot of ideas, and those ideas need some narrowing down sometimes. And that's where collaborating with your colleagues uh, is a really, really important and really helpful part of this. Um, but again, that idea of reflecting. We introduced uh, the learning targets, right? We did that at the beginning. We said, hey, here's what we're doing this session. 
Um, then we circle back to those. Right? Here's where our learning targets, and again, I put those in the form of essential questions and curricular targets. Did we reach those? Um, again, just emphasizing the reflection portion. Um, so for this uh, project, again, I kind of noted this in, in a roundabout way, but um, the essential learning targets for this connection unit, you know, we're using podcasts to connect, um, is I can listen to others with empathy and a desire to understand them more fully. Um, and it's really fascinating, we'll see in some reflections that students gave, uh, what kids think that listening is. Um, and I get, I, we'll see just one example of that, but when you ask a student what it means to listen, uh, a lot of times we get sort of this sort of rote answer. And this is a, a thing that I want this project to invite the richness of listening. Right, not just sitting there, right? It's, it's, it's an opportunity to uh, develop everything, to understand somebody more fully, to broaden our horizons. Um, and then the second essential learning target uh, is I can value and learn from the experiences and wisdom of role models in my life. Uh, again, we see this trend, right? I have an interest in podcasts, I really love them, love audio stuff, but also seeing a trend in our world where there's less and less connection particularly between young kids and their parents, or kids and their grandparents, especially as those young kids get older, right, and get to middle school, high school age, that connection changes. So I kind of thought, what, what does it look like to invite kids who still, you know, for the most part, especially at the beginning of the fifth grade year, right, want to be around their parents, right, they want to see them, they want to see their grandparents. What does it look like to invite them into deeper relationships with those who want to uh, and that's the guiding principles. The curricular learning targets, which I'll show you in a moment, super important. We want to reach those. But who do we want our students to become? Particularly as Christian educators, this opportunity to not just you know, usher kids through, but to uh, develop kids who actively contribute to the formation of Christian culture. Um, Jamie uh, Smith uh, has a, uh, a book where he talks a lot about this. Right? It's the formation of People. He talks about this idea that we can't, as Christian educators, assume that suddenly upon graduation, if you've not spent time investing in what kind of people our kids are becoming, not just what they know, it's, we can't expect them to suddenly actively contribute to Christian culture and, and to spread gospel and to love their community as well. We have been investing. So that's part of what this project is trying to do. Um, and then curricular learning standards. I'm not going to read through all these. Um, again, they're based in common core. Uh, but one thing I want to point out that's really important when we're doing a project of this scale is it's, it takes time, right? And it's messy. And I teach a technology class, right? So it's like, oh, of course, we're going to use technology. But, um, you know, there are certainly, there's ESD standards that we're trying to meet with technology. And I'm not going to put those up here because it seems obvious to me what we're doing with that. Um, but more importantly, the, the standards I'm actually aiming toward with this and in my classroom, I have the luxury. How many elementary people do we have in here? Secondary? Okay, middle school? Middle school. Um, so as an elementary teacher, I have a little bit more flexibility with saying, oh, I can take more time here because I'm going to reach these targets in this spot. Um, as a secondary teacher, that looks a little bit different for you, right? Um, it might look like pulling instead of you know just targets from what you're doing now, think of how can I incorporate something that we're working toward in this to allow for some of that time, but that's where it takes a lot of investment on our part. Right? It's worth it though. It's 
we get these uh, this fruit uh, that's, that comes from students engaging in this type of learning. But it does take a lot of time. So because it takes time, um, the, what, what I'm actually doing with this is focusing on ELA standards. Um, and some of these I thought about beforehand, and I'm like, oh, yes, I can hit that with podcasts. So even if I don't teach technology, which might, you know, things change in our worlds in school, and some have to teach some things and not other things. So I'm like, I love this project, and I love what this is doing for students. What if I don't teach tech? Like, what is this doing? So some of these I thought of beforehand. Some of them I recognize in retrospect. Oh my gosh, we did these things. Um, but first thing, just engaging effectively in a range of collaborative discussions. We did that, but with diverse partners, right? thinking about uh, grandparents, parents, not just kids in our class. One-on-one, um, -on -one, building on others' ideas, expressing our own clearly. That's come from that research, that background building. Um, coming to discussions prepared. It is obvious when kids do not prepare before they interview, right? And they know that, right? Because they, they have an opportunity to listen to podcasts that previous classes made before they begin their own, and they listen like, man, this is just, didn't really sound like they knew what they were talking about. Yeah, what do you want to do with yours, right? You want it to sound like that. Um, uh, and then uh, following agreed upon rules, uh, posing and responding to specific questions, making comments, right? This is what comes into that listening portion. What does listening actually mean, right? Posing questions and then responding to them, right? Elaborating having a discussion, um, expressing ideas clearly, summarizing a written text and uh, read aloud, or information presented in diverse media formats. Podcasts, great, you know, we're, we're presenting this in a diverse media format. Um, those are ones I feel like we really nail with this. Um, the other ones we hit on, it's not as big of a focus, but they are. Um, and then summarizing points the speaker makes, and we talk about uh, our role, as the host of the podcast, right? We're interviewing, we talk about how, you know, when we're listening to professional examples, sometimes the host is in and having that discussion and interviewing with somebody, and sometimes they're like outside, probably in the studio, doing some narration, adding context to a piece of the story, adding background knowledge, and then being back in. Right? So when we talk about um, summarizing points that a speaker makes, right? Their grandparent might tell this long story. We did some of those, they're great. And they're very long. Right? So I tell students, as much as we would love to have our podcast be two and a half hours, <laughs> more for maybe like 20 minutes or less, right? And that involves them needing to summarize. Right? What did this person say that was valuable to me? And how can I emphasize that for my listeners? Um, but again, what we're doing with this podcast student is actually really heavily based in literacy, really heavily based in ELA. Um, and encouraging and looking for those cross-curricular connections is really important because of the size and scope of some of these projects. They're not all massive, right? You can do just uh, employ some of these ideas and just maybe less of this one. But again, um, hitting on these, multimedia, adapting speech to a variety of contexts. Um, Realist, uh, just a, a couple examples, and then we'll, we'll circle back to how do I get students working with these, right? Because these are all things that, you know, as teachers, we know what we're trying to teach. Uh, our students don't always know that. And uh, I actually uh, make sure to put all of this stuff in front of my students before we begin creating. Right? The essential uh, learning targets, right? the, what kind of people do I want my kids to become, and also what do I want them to know. 
So they have an opportunity to interact. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so we're going to listen to two examples. Uh, and what I want you to listen for, um, again, thinking that our goal was to listen with empathy um, and to understand, in, in a way, what listening actually means. What does it sound like to hear and to interact? Um, also, the kids, when we do this project, I have them name their podcast after something in there, right? What podcasts are about inviting people to listen. I want to come up with a title that invites people to listen. So they pick some you know, little part of their story that will um, maybe draw people in. Here's some other examples over here. Um, some, you know, Ashley's podcast. Do I want to listen to that? Yes, because I'm Caden's teacher. Um, is that super inviting? Maybe not as much. Um, but we're going to listen to poor little flies here, and we're going to hope that the volume works. It might be super loud. Was it fun? 
I would say it was a lot of fun because uh, you have uh, siblings who play with you all the time and uh, uh, you know as a family we go out and do things together and uh, help each other study together so we did a lot of things which were fun. Does that sound like that sounds like an average family like in America? Uh, the main difference is in Ethiopia we had sheep and goats and cows so we were, we were half-time shepherds and half-time students when we were kids and the ship sounds like this Yes, there are cars, but everybody cannot afford buying cars. So, for example, our family was uh, one of those people who could not afford cars. So, we used to walk to school and uh, walk to shopping places, um, and sometimes we take public transport. Well, if you're talking about long distance as far as America, we use the airplane. If you're saying just uh, long distance within the country, we used to uh, take buses and uh, you know smaller uh, rental cars. And sometimes, if we're going to the country, we, we go on a horse back or mule back, uh, those kind of uh, transportation animals. So, um, in, in uh, this podcast, right, I, I like to ask myself, can you keep up with the central learning targets? Is this a conversation that happens without the invitation for students to do this for school? Um, you know, I, like, I, like to, I, mean, I know her parents well, um, and I know that they, they do talk about these things, and their culture is important at, at some level. Um, but I really love you know, how Saint's growing up in the world, both her parents are doctors. She has a very different childhood experience than what her parents have. Um, and inviting students into that, you know, at the fifth grade level or fourth or third or whatever grades that you teach, um, uh, just makes me so excited to think about what fruit does this produce as we move forward? Like what does what kind of person uh, does this help my students to be? Um, people who listen and inquire value and experiences of their family members, so people who are in their lives, right? People who paved the way for them. Um, so, circling back to learning targets, we've talked about our learning targets. Um, there's three main ways that I use learning targets in these projects. Again, a lot of them are large, these projects are large scale, and it's easy to get lost in the weeds as you're going. Whoa, what are we actually doing? Right? When I'm finicking with uh, this transition into audio for an hour and a half uh, at home, right? Sometimes uh, I lose track of why, why am I doing this? Right? So on big projects, you might even circle back to your learning targets throughout. Um, sometimes you save that for the end of reflection. Um, but as I said, I like to put these things in front of my students from the get-go. Uh, the first thing I do is have them interact with them. Uh, interactions can look a lot of different ways. It can look like printing them off and having students uh, you know, read through and maybe make some annotations or uh, kind of think about, do I understand what this target is asking? Right? And you'll notice, you know, even with our session, I put them in the form of microphone statements. Right? Um, and a lot of times we do that, but we don't necessarily recognize uh, students.
student's level of understanding of what that target is. So they can you know, write about it, they can annotate, they can ask questions, they can uh, look at, okay, is there any unfamiliar vocabulary? Um, it gives them an opportunity to know what the expectation is, what the goals are, before we actually get moving. Um, so we're going to do that. I'm going to give this an opportunity, uh, I think it was like three minutes. Um, one of our learning targets is I can imagine what incorporating my interests in my classroom might look like. So maybe just with the people near you, um, just interact with us a little bit. A great way to do that is, uh, are there any synonyms we can think of that might enhance the understanding, that might enhance the meaning of this learning target? Um, is there any uh, vocabulary that might be unfamiliar? Right? And again, for us, that's maybe not the case. But I, I'm surprised you know, when I ask things, how many students don't really understand what incorporating means? Right? And if we breeze past our learning targets, they don't have the opportunity, particularly with math and other learning targets. Right? Yeah, I try to put them in kid-friendly language, but even so, kids have questions. So um, I'm going to give you actually just two minutes. Um, talk to somebody next to you or just think yourself, what are some uh, synonyms that could enhance this meeting? What are some questions that even a student might have about this?
it's opportunities to interact with you know, real people um, with real stories, right? And again, inviting them to understand that by interacting with these learning environments. So, uh, yeah. Does it sound like that you used the word imagine? Oh, yeah. About a lot lower stakes rather than like, you know, creative like, project in the next five minutes. Yeah, so yeah. I like the low stakes part of it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love that you're talking about that inviting, right? That's yeah. what we're really trying to do is to invite students in. Um, and like you said, you know, if we, if when we're thinking about the language of how we phrase these things, right? That word imagine, you ask it, hey, imagine this. Oh, I can imagine something. Right? Thank you so much for noting that. Yes? I like how earlier in this therapy we had Understanding uh, the experiences and valuing those, 
Um, and he said, yes, he said, we share a lot of interests. Again, like making that connection. He said, and they had a hard life on the farm. But it was fun too. So that's great. And then some students, uh, like this, right, very concise answers, right? Kids reflect in different ways. Um, but this is kind of breaking down the listening aspect. And sometimes I like to ask kids in reflections questions like, what did you used to think? What do you think now? What did you? What was your understanding of this topic before we did this? What is your understanding now? What couldn't you do before that you can do now? And so I did that with listening. I said, "What do you think? What did you think that listening to someone met, meant before we did our podcast?" They said, "Sitting and being quiet." When I read that, I was like, "Oh, how often do I expect that of my kids in my class?" How often am I inviting them to do something different? How's it like? So this is like a learning opportunity for us as teachers, right? We hear what our kids think we mean when we say things. Hey, make sure you listen. Um, did that change now that you have finished your podcast? How so? They didn't really explain how so, but they said now you can engage. Right? And just reading that, like, oh man, how often am I inviting my students to do that? That's just one of those little things when we think about the big learning opportunities. Right, these are the things, like those, those pieces that it means, of what it means to be a human, regularly a Christian human in this world. Um, those are the things that sometimes we miss, right? And doing a, a project like this or inviting kids into this gives us an opportunity to um, yeah, draw that out. Um, I want to make sure I give us some time for reflection. I did, uh, so big thing, assessment. Um, this is the last thing I'll talk about. I have a whole other project that we did that's super cool. We won't have time today. I'll try to make that available um, through maybe the CDA website. We have the slides available for you guys so you can reference those later on. Um, but a uh, big question with this kind of stuff is how do I assess this? Right? Um, particularly for secondary teachers, right? Colleges have very specific things that they want to know students are doing and have done and can do. Um, so you're kind of bound to a little bit more of a rigid structure with that. Right? And that's a big question. How do I assess this? Um, for something like this, um, I have product evaluation. Right? So when I look at these podcasts, the first thing I'm doing is, okay, what's the product? And again, if we've built the, the goals together, that's what I use as the rubric to assess. Right? Okay, hey, you did this thing. I see the project. How well did you adhere to the goals that we set for ourselves? Right? Um, and then uh, even looking at how do I see them incorporating, right? It takes listening to their podcast. Did they accomplish those curricular outcomes? Um, and then through their reflections, right? I'm introducing those, the, those curricular standards, the essential learning targets, um, having them interact before and maybe sometimes during and after. And by their own assessment, do they understand this stuff? Right? That's a great way to assess this. Um, with math, uh, that looks a little bit different. Um, I'm going to kind of zoom forward. Basic premise, my kids made some toys. Um, they did all the work. So they sketch it, they design it. There's a lot of inviting, asking them to see what's good about a toy, what makes it fun. Um, and it's all for a purpose. We partnered with a local nonprofit. Um, they got to meet with a representative about what they do and how they serve our community and talk about the role of toys. And it's such a gift to be able to give toys to kids in the Right? And so we thought, well, what if we made toys? Right? What if I gave my kids power, not power saws. It's a sander. It's a little safer. What if I give them hand saws? What does that look like? That was a fun conversation with my principal, right? 
But again, she invited it. So I went for it. Um, and I did some tests. And you know, they're no more their coping sauce. Kids didn't know this. There's a lot faster way to cut a shape out of a wooden block. Um, I gave them blades that aren't meant to cut wood, so it just takes a lot longer. And they got stronger in a lot of ways. So um, but again, uh, after that you know, meeting with the representative, we got to actually donate these toys um, and, and to bless, bless some kids in our community. Um, some of the work that they did, and again, from start to finish, you know, they, and, and this project was uh, multiplying fractions and skin. Um, and so, and I had to show this because this is my favorite. And I talk about this looks messy, um, and just gonna play this really quick. This is like what this project looks like. Looks and sounds and feels a lot like chaos sometimes, right? Um, you notice there's sawdust on the floor, so another part that's really important to projects like this uh, is thank you cards and gift cards with custodial staff and any teachers who share a wall with you. Um, but uh, again, it's it's messy. Um, it feels chaotic at times, but when you, when you get the kids to reflect on what they did, what this experience meant to them, all this noise and racket and mess and craziness and being like, oh man, I did not imagine that sanding was going to take two weeks for the whole class to finish. I've been listening to this. I did get a lot of colleagues come in and say, wow, this was like one shot. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's messy, but it's worth it. It's worth it when you see in those reflections. Um, I go to that again. Um, essential learning targets. Can zoom through these. Um, the assessment, uh, so for this, have students reflect actually on the learning targets. Um, I picked out the words they said, and I also asked them each own example. Right, so one of our uh, goal two, I can explain how multiplying fractions can be used to scale measurements. Well, they do. They did a drawing, and they had to, I didn't tell them how, I just handed them a block of wood. It was like, all right, did that on there. And I had pre-prepared videos that they could then engage with at their own pace, right? Some kids get to that point sooner. Um, but it teaches them how to scale measurements, and it establishes the need. Right, so if we have an opportunity to establish the need to learn it through the project, that's a great thing to do as well. Um, but again, so she said, I feel like I accomplished this goal by finding my scale factor. Right? She talked about finding her scale factor. Um, and this last one, I can solve real world problems involving dividing fractions and mixed numbers. Well, by golly, we were actually making stuff. Right? Um, so I feel like I accomplished this goal when I was doing the challenge method. Um, so what she's referencing there uh, with Matt in these projects, I'm like, hey, you have to scale this to fit on this block of wood so you can make this toy get this. Um, here's a straightforward way. If you're feeling like you're changing, you want to challenge yourself, here's a little bit more of a challenge method. So that way it kind of creates a differentiation there within the assignments. Um, and then also, uh, when it comes to assessing things, particularly with math, um, a lot of times I'll do something called a core quiz. Right? I have the reflections, I have the product that I'm using for the assessment. Um, but there is a level of, I need to see that you know how to do these problems. So um, what I think of as a core quiz is just, what, it, what are the short, essential-based things so it's just a short essentials-based quiz on the content, right? And for me, in fifth grade, that looks like five or six of the core math problems that they do at some point throughout this project to show, hey, I can do this um, without, you know, getting lost in the um, Last thing uh, is just some additional ideas. These are really basic outlines of things that my colleagues in, um, at my school have done. Um, some are big-scale projects. Some are like daily lessons. 
Um, one of our teachers, um, uh, 10th grade math, talking about exponential growth, she has a personal interest in invasive species. She's curious about it. Um, so she kind of thought, well, how can I incorporate my interest in invasive species into my lesson about exponential growth? Right? Um, this one uh, is one of my favorites. One of our second grade teachers, Gary Belanger, um, they have, they, in second grade, they're doing opinion pieces. Um, during the pandemic, we have a lot of restaurants that are you know, suffering and workers who are out of work and they had really hard up. And so she thought, man, how can we get our kids to see that need in the community? She said, well, let's write some reviews of our favorite local restaurants. Right? So they actually wrote and published like, some reviews and we got to send them to these restaurants. Um, and uh, like tell them, hey, this is what I love about this restaurant. My family loves to eat here. She also talked about, hey, you love a restaurant, maybe eat there. Maybe tip well, even if you're just doing takeout, right? Um, but involving her, her second graders in caring about their community. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'm going to give you guys some time for this last week, so if you can also take a picture, I'll stand back. And again, I'll try to make the slides available for us. Um, last steps is reflecting on our learning, right? We started off with that. Uh, that's what we're going to, that's what we end with. Um, and what that reflection is going to look like in about six minutes. Um, but when I talk about those simple steps, right, uh, we're talking about big learning opportunities, which again, it's the movie poster thing, but it's also all these little pieces. How do we get invite students to interact with learning environments? What kind of people do we want them to become? How can my interests that God has uniquely given me uh, influence my students positively for, for God's glory? Um, so when I, this is just like a basic outline, what do I do in these projects, right? And there's, there's a lot more convoluted thing that you need to work out, but um, simple steps, what is one of my interests or passions? What are the essential learning targets? That's the big, 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 big piece, especially as Christian educators. Um, what standards do I need to meet, uh, especially with those cross-curricular cross standards? What opportunities do I have for those? Um, how am I going to get these in front of my students? How are they going to interact with them? Like, there's different ways to do that. You can think about how to meet those needs of your students best, right? whether it's writing on them or having a conversation, or even saying, hey, your homework tonight is to talk to your parent about what it is you need to learn. Right? Create some dinner conversation. Um, and then dreaming, imagining, networking, collaborating, gathering, planning, creating. How are we going to implement this? Um, and then lastly, again, that important part, reflecting on what John Dewey said, we don't learn from our experiences, we learn by reflecting on our experiences. What role is reflection going to play for students um, when we do a project like this? So uh, I know we only have like four minutes. Uh, if uh, I want to kind of like open it up if you guys want to think about like, hey, what are some ideas you have? Maybe parse them out with somebody in the room or if you have a couple of questions, um, I can answer those. Um, thank you guys so much for uh, coming to this session. It was uh, a pleasure and I hope that this all made sense to you.